Hey y'all, welcome back to Cutting Grass. I'm Joe Singer and I'm an alcoholic. Well, here we go. I'm gonna give you a little bit of me today. Uh, told you I would, so if I don't do it right this second, there's no telling when I'm gonna do it again. I guess it's me about to turn a century or a half a century old. Next week will be my birthday. I'll be 50, my belly button birthday. So those of you that's hung around and listened, you deserve to know a little bit about me. So I was born November the 23rd, 1971. <clears throat> yep. I'm not as old as y'all thought I was. Hmm. I was born to a couple of kids. Thought they had life figured out. I was born on a Tuesday. The very next day. Get this, y'all. The infamous D.B. Cooper hijacked an airplane. They give him money. He jumped out, parachuted to happily ever after, or he died. Nobody knows. I thought that was just a little nice tidbit. The day after I was born, D.B. Cooper jumped out of the plane with all that money in a parachute. Was that my real dad? Couldn't handle being a dad? Hell, I don't know. But it kind of makes you think. Huh? But anyway, um, I was born to just, a, I guess, a normal 70s hippie era couple. I was the first of two. Uh, 17 months later, my little brother would be born. <clears throat> so uh, it was just us four. Mom, dad, me and my little brother. Uh, just a normal childhood, I guess. Uh, we, at the age of five, my parents moved us from East Nashville to a little town called Fairview, Tennessee. My dad had enough street smarts about him to know that he wasn't about to raise two boys in in Nashville, much less East Nashville, Shelby Avenue section of town. Um, nowadays, it's a bunch of old rich money there. So at the age of five, moved to the city of Fairview. Well, <clears throat> at the time, it was just a town of Fairview. Fairview had one grocery store, one bank, the low post office, uh, no red light. Like two self-service gas stations, uh, two schools, at a high school and an elementary school. There's no such thing as a middle school in those days. I didn't walk to school. I didn't walk uphill both ways, none of that. Uh, but I do remember being in kindergarten <clears throat> and I got up one morning and I asked my mom, I said, am I going to school today? She said, go ask your daddy. And I went out in the backyard, asked my daddy, am I going to school today? And he says, go ask your mama. Well, in my eyes, that meant I've already done what I was told. I got on the school bus. Um, and then a couple hours later, they get to looking for me. And 
They just figured that I guess what had happened is they had been arguing that morning and nobody got me ready for school. So I got my damn self ready for school and I went to school. The kicker is it took them a little while to figure out that I was gone. And my mom was so upset. She come instead of just leaving me at school, she brought me back home. So I, you know, that's, that's what, one of my earliest memories, you know, um, but you know, we, my parents had normal fights and arguments and I wasn't abused. I got my ass whooped when I did wrong, which I'm thankful for now. You know, at the time I hated my dad for whooping me with that belt, <clears throat> but I mean, he never drugged me behind a car or, or black my eyes or nothing like that. He whooped our ass. Um, now there was times when we got, it took him a long time to whoop our ass or, and there was times where he would just jerk us up and whoop our ass. So, but regardless, it, it was a normal childhood. It was a normal, no church kind of childhood. The only time we ever went to church was when the church bus came to get us. Uh, my dad drank, my mom drank, they both smoked weed. Uh, I had asthma growing up, so I never smoked cigarettes and never, I never liked the smell of marijuana. So, and I knew I couldn't, if I could smoke a cigarette, I could smoke weed. So, uh, I never really wanted to be like my parents, really. Um, they lived paycheck to paycheck. But I guess they were happy for the most part. They partied a lot. Um, we weren't really neglected. We were just kind of expected to stay out of the way, you know, and that was okay. Cause we had friends and man, friends are a good thing to have when you're growing up. We grew up in a subdivision and later on, we found out that the subdivision was all the other local kids, uh, bicycle trails and, and, you know, clubhouses. And it was just a wooded area that the kids in the neighborhood used to play in. And then these damn subdivision got put, put there. And so they were, they didn't like us at first. We were them damn subdivision kids. Um, but it didn't take us long, me and my brother to, to turn into them damn singer boys. We wreaked havoc, you know, just normal havoc. You know, we chased the girls and we built clubhouses and ran through the woods and we was just, we didn't know it, but we were the kids that your mama warned you about. I mean, we never done nothing dumb. Just normal boys. You know, uh, I can remember, and I didn't know this until I went through rehab and treatment and yada, 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 until the last couple of years. Um, <clears throat> when I was seven or eight, I went through my very first traumatic experience and didn't even know it, y'all. Uh, you remember when you're kids, you spent the night with your buddies. You, you know, y'all sleep in tents, you'd camp out, you'd well, you'd start out in the tent and when it got dark and that first hoot owl hollered, you, you all ended up in there in the floor in the living room. But anyway, we was in the floor in the living room one night and my buddy that was older than me, he was a couple years older than me was, uh, I don't even know how the subject came up, but they were Pentecostal. They went to church and we never, we never went to church. Parents never took us to church. Um, and it wasn't that we just church wasn't part of our thing, but my buddy, 
he went to church. So, and then I don't know how the subject came about, but I remember him telling us, you know, we're all going to die one day. And I can remember it was like a switch. I went from unhappy, innocent child to realizing we are all going to die one day. And I took on this thought. And I guess I thought about it for well, 40 years this way. If we're all going to just die one day, what's the sense in living? I mean, why? That's, that's just the way as a seven or eight year old kid, I remember being crushed. It was like it ranked right up there with the death of a relative, you know. And I don't think until until I went to treatment, I never dealt with this. But to be a seven and eight, seven or eight year old kid, I don't remember how, you know, I was just in that, that range. And to realize that we're all just going to die one day. Man, that just, even thinking about it now, it's kind of depressing. So that was my first real slap in the face with reality trauma. And I carried that with me for the rest of my um, untreated life. Um, but I mean, I moved on. Uh, we had a family dog to die shortly thereafter. I dealt with that, you know, I'll go on to get my first love of my life. And she, she dumped me and I dealt with that. So, I mean, I, I, it didn't stop me from living, but I felt like it kind of put a speed bump in the, my drive to want to live learning that. Um, so I can remember being in the fifth grade. I think it was, yeah, it was either the late fourth grade, early fifth grade, but I remember my fifth grade pictures, my, I, my adult teeth were coming in. Well, I, I remember <clears throat> losing, Man, we found out there was a tooth fairy and they give you money. So we started, me and my little brother started pulling our teeth so we could get popsicle money. <clears throat> but anyway, in the fifth grade, my adult teeth started coming in and they came in yellow, y'all. I had teeth growing out of my gums that were yellow. And nobody could explain that one, you know. That was what, 1978, 79, somewhere in there. And it's just, then my other teeth came in. They Every adult tooth that I pulled, you know, that that, I, that had grown in from my, my baby teeth came in yellow. <clears throat> so you can imagine living, going through middle school and high school with a guy with yellow teeth. They were healthy teeth. They were just yellow. But I dealt with it. They were crooked. I had two rows of teeth. One row in front of the other. And uh, so I remember having to get braces in the middle school. And even then, the orthodontist couldn't. He never even, he never, nobody. The dentist, you know, we didn't get dental treatment like every other kid did. We got Robitussin. 
you know, and then you go kind of like big daddy, you're going to lose them teeth anyway. So, um, so when I, when they came in yellow, I just didn't, obviously just didn't take care of them anyway. Why take care of something that's not going to take care of you? They come in handicapped. So let's just leave them that way. So, <clears throat> so I'm dealing with that kind of pressure, you know, having friends and whatnot. So living with that was one thing, but once you, you know, I mentioned friends, we had neighborhood friends and they were a great thing to have growing up, but they were also the worst thing to have growing up because, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know that, uh, we were underprivileged, um, money wise until we met our friends. We didn't know there were people richer than us, which we weren't rich. Like I told you, my parents lived paycheck to paycheck. We got school clothes at Christmas. Now, every, every other kid starting school with new shoes and new clothes and new trapper keepers. And we're carrying our stuff from Christmas to school. So we got Christmas clothes, Everybody that's got school clothes and Christmas clothes <clears throat> at Christmas time, all the, all our friends got new bicycles. We got their old bicycles, which we were fine with that. You know, we didn't know until we got older and our friends obviously told us that we were kind of poor. And, uh, had it not been for my friends, I still to this day wouldn't know I was poor. I was fine. And then also those friends, let us know that there were people that were a lot more poor than us. You know, we've, we had friends without running water and didn't know it, but that's friends tell the truth. So that's how, you know, you, that's how, know, how you know where you fit in, in the, in the affluent community, I guess you'd call it. Who makes the most money is about who lives where and why and how. So, Thank you friends for screwing that all up for me, but I guess we did it to the, to the same people. So, so anyway, I, I go on to school and I make, I'm not, I'm not really encouraged to make good grades. So once again, why, what's the point I knew before I even started the sixth grade that I was never going to go to college. You know, I knew that if I didn't learn how to work, I was not going to have any money. So why make good grades? You know, back when I, if you made, I made just good enough grades to get to the next level. We'll just leave it at that. I didn't try. I didn't want to try. I didn't need to try. I just did just enough to get me by. And I did that on up till, till I graduated. Now I didn't get to walk with my graduating class because I needed a half a credit of English. So I'd already had a taste of the real world. I knew what the real world was like and it wasn't, it wasn't going to be pleasant for me. So I went to, I had two senior years. I did a a whole other year for a half a credit of English. And then I walked with the class under me. 
I wasn't ready to go out in the real world yet. And everybody that did it saw what I did and was like, man, I wish I'd have done what you did. This sucks. But, uh, yeah, I was the first person in my entire family to graduate high school. Now, I'm not talking my brother, my mom, my dad. I'm talking 13 grandchildren and uh, uncles and aunts and, you know, cousins. I was, I was the, I was it. I was the only, first and only graduate of our family from my grandfather down. Um, I graduated by the skin of my teeth, I guess you could say. It didn't make enough grades to go to college, but I did something nobody else did. So while I was in high school, I, I was still 18. I turned 18 while I was in high school. So when I turned 18, I, uh, I joined the fire department because we'd had a wreck as a family. Uh, my mom, my dad, and my little brother and I, we had a head on collision when I was 17, about to turn 18 and it about killed us all, but I was still up and trying to help. And, you know, they had to life flight my dad and we all went to the hospital and I, I was helpless. I, my whole family was laying there dying and I couldn't do nothing about it. I was out of the car, didn't know what to do. So I knew then I was wanting to, I was wanting to, to not ever let that happen again to anybody. So when I joined, when I turned 18, I joined the volunteer fire department. Um, I knew that my entire family was addicted to something. Um, it, it ran in both sides of the family, uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, gambling addiction, and probably some sex addiction and you name it, we were there. But at the age of 17, when I was in the hospital from that wreck, they had me on morphine because I broke my back. So they had me on this little pump that I plunged it with my thumb and they'd give me a shot of morphine for pain. And I knew then at the age of 17, making my own decisions in a hospital bed, um, y'all better get me off of this. And the doctor came in and says, um, what's the problem? I said, this, I need this, I need this out of me. And I'm going to need you to, to bring me medication to that. I don't have any control over now. I'm 17 y'all and I'm making them take morphine out of my arm because I know I've met all of my family and I don't want to be, I've got the ultimate don't follow me family. They've already done the things that I don't want to do. Get this morphine out of my arm. So the doctor scratched his head and says, son, I have never in my career had anybody tell me this, but I'm going to do what you say, because I think you know your family and your history better than I do. So yes, we can manage your pain with oral medication. So I think I took a couple of, I don't know, probably lower tab or Demerol and after that, we treated it with Tylenol and physical therapy. So 
I didn't get hooked on anything at the age of 17. Now I had been dabbling in my daddy's liquor cabinet and, and the high school field parties drinking for fun. I did not like the taste of alcohol, but I did it cause everybody else was doing it. So I don't recall the first time I got drunk. I don't remember my first drink and we'll go back to the age of about four years old now. Yeah. It's like a Pulp Fiction version. I understand. So this is why I don't remember my first drink of alcohol. My mom's dad owned a beer joint where the Titan stadium is right now. So uh, he was a numbers runner and he ran a beer joint. So, and he had some, some of them uh, poker games paid off and shit in the background. Um, but story has it that they set me up on his bar when I was four and my granddaddy gave me a Paps blue ribbon. And they said, I drank the whole can, which I don't know. Don't remember it, but that's the story. And that's the story I've always been told. Now I guarantee you after I've been through rehab, uh, that story won't get told by my parents anymore, but that was the story that was told right on up till I entered Cumberland Heights. So, that story ain't been thought of since until just now, but that's why I don't remember my first drink of alcohol. So, but I do remember the first time I woke up not knowing what happened. You see, I didn't have a curfew when I was a kid. My dad says, I don't care how late you stay out. As long as I know where you're sleeping that night, I'm good. Well, everybody else in the world had a curfew. So, there we go. I had a one too. It just wasn't enforced. So when you're by yourself at the age of 17, 18 years old and everybody else is on the curfew and they're gone home, what are you going to do? Well, your ass is going to go home too. But I can remember one night we started out drinking and riding the roads and I woke up the next morning, my car is in my driveway and I don't remember nothing. And I want to say I was 16 at the time when that happened. And it scared me so bad that I called the police department and said, and just asked them, did y'all have uh, an incident involving uh, 77 Olds Cutlass last night, a hit and run or anything? No, not, we know of one. And I just hung up. So that was back before caller ID and star 69 was just now coming out and all that good stuff. So, but yeah, it scared me because that was the first time I'd ever blackout drunk. Um, so, you know, like I said, I graduated. I went, went on to uh, join the local volunteer fire department at the age of 18. But I was still drinking harmlessly at the time. Um, so that was my definition of it, you know, on the weekends. Uh, I would drink a six pack of beer, you know, every now and then I would, I'd get a good buzz on splitting a 12 pack or a case of beer with somebody. And, you know, it, it, I just learned to acquire the taste of alcohol over time, but it was, it was a once a month, more than six beers kind of thing. You know, I was, um, steadily dating this little girl worked at the, at one of the 
one of the grocery stores out there. So, um, but I knew by being on the fire department, I couldn't drink or do drugs because I was on call. They expected me to be sober for an emergency call. So, um, for the next, I don't know, till I was 18, let's see. The next four or five years, I was a volunteer fireman. Uh, then we had the ice storm. I don't even remember what year that was. Um, but man, it was, it was bad. The, uh, I had in the meantime, worked my way up from fire volunteer firefighter to at the age of 18, I was elected president of the fire company. So I controlled a half a million dollars worth of city and county funds. Um, yeah, that's scary, right? Y'all heard my barely made it through high school, but you know, it, it, it took three people to, to endorse a check. You know, it was nothing like I got, I, I wasn't embezzling money or none of that stuff, but to have an 18 year old kid, a 19 year old kid uh, as the president, uh, learning Robert's rules of order, yada, yada, controlling the funding city and state, uh, city and county money, um, was a was a major undertaking for me, but I did a good job. And um, I was in over my head, but I, I caught up to my head. So um, went on to move up through the ranks from a firefighter to lieutenant to to captain to assistant chief and got elected chief. I was the youngest ever elected fire chief of the department. So um Man, yeah, looking back, that was pretty impressive. But anyway, um, we had the ice storm to the point where all the power in the whole town was out. Not only did we run out of power, when we ran out of power, our pumps, where we pumped water from the city of Nashville up the hill to our city was without power. So we had to actually go get a fire truck and pump the city water from Nashville to Fairview through a fire engine so we could have running water. Uh, we ended up burning that fire truck up, but we had water. So anyway, um, yeah, that was crazy. I think we were up for, I don't think I slept for two full days trying to get ambulances and fire trucks in and out of all these trees falling. We was cutting, we were cutting the ambulance to your house to pick up your mom or your grandmama and having to turn around. The trees were falling right behind us. We had to turn around and cut the ambulance from the house to the hospital. Um, but the police chief saw my work ethic during that ice storm. And he asked, they, they had started a volunteer police department. He invited me to join. And now that, ladies and gentlemen, changed my life. I went from volunteer fire, uh, volunteer police officer to a full-time career paid. I'm sending your ass to the police academy, police officer job. And I'm here to tell you no human being should be allowed to have that much power ever. 
I was on top of the world. Um, so the, the furthest thing from my mind for the next 10 years was drinking or drugging. Now, drugging was never my problem, but drinking at the time had still not been my problem. I knew it was an underlying problem. I knew I had a history of it. I knew that if I ever started drinking, that I would become like the rest of my family. So I stayed in emergency services. So like I said, for the next 10 years, I didn't do anything right wrong. You know, I, I was, I was the fire chief. I had worked my way to detective, uh, on the police force, um, actually worked and solved the city of Fairview's first ever homicide. So I made world news on that one because of the, the circumstances. So needless to say at the age of 25, 26, somewhere in there, I was on top of the world. Um, I mean, the whole country saw me on TV. I guess the whole world, since it was world news. Um, but the fall from grace, I went from being on top of the world to doing bad checks because we only had one homicide. After that, you're going back to pedophiles and bad check writers. That's the kind of crime I was solving after that. So the, I call it the fall from grace, you know, it's, uh, to have that much power to control.